Hello and thank you for tuning in to the Okinawa Karate Podcast. I am Josh Simmers, coming to you from the birthplace of karate, Okinawa, Japan. I am bringing you part three of my interview with Sensei Michael Hagen of Apex Karate Performance. This will be the final episode in this three-part series. I hope you do enjoy, and can I ask you to be so kindly as to leave me a five-star rating, or whatever the rating scheme is on your favorite app that you're listening to this podcast right now. It helps other people like yourself find this podcast when it's closer to the top. Now please enjoy part three with Michael Hagen Sensei of Apex Karate Performance. I just was like, you know, I, that's not my that's not my focus. It's not my interest right now. And you know, life happens, work happens. You have children. You know, things happen. You end up moving. I ended up moving overseas for a few years. Um, ended up doing some other training. Uh, kind of got away from formal karate training for a few years. Uh, but then I uh, was on a work trip and had been starting to feel the bug again. And I was like, you know what, I need to, I need to do something. So it was actually um, my former teammate, John, who was like, you need to, when you get back, there's, uh, when you get back off this work trip, and it was a long-term trip, uh, you need to go to, you know, there's this Shitokai Dojo or, um, that's not too far from where you're at. And so, I'm like, okay, yeah, but I'm on this work trip and I go outside one day and I see this um, like six, seven foot PVC pipe is real thin, you know, nothing too crazy, but I pick it up and I start, you know, swinging my bow again. Right. And I'm out there outside. And one of the other guys on my team walks outside and he looks at me and he stops and then he just shakes his head and he keeps walking and I would move, I would move, you know, I'd go in the conference room and I'd move tables aside and I would find a place to start working on kata again and start refreshing my kata. So I ended up going back and going to this dojo that my friend recommended. There were other Shodin Yu schools in the area that were much closer to my house. But when I looked at them, I'm like, you know, this is not, this is not what sensei was teaching, right? It's a little bit different. They're not going to be doing the same things that Oshiro Sensei was teaching. So I'm like, well, my friend recommended over here. I'll go check this out. And I was like, you know, I need a place to train and whatnot. So I went there and it was a, a USA Shitokai, part of the, the USA branch of the JKF Shitokai. And, uh, and I started competing again. Not so much kind of as just as a test to myself, right? Just to kind of push myself and go out there and do something. And I met Jonathan uh, I actually, he, he jokes about, he, he, he kind of teases me. Uh, I don't remember meeting him that day. He says we met, but he said I ignored him when I was talking to this other sensei that, that we both know. Um, so I apologize, Jonathan, again. Um, but then a couple months later, we met at a tournament, again, closer to, to where he lives, actually. And we started talking. And I actually asked him to, to film. I'm like, hey, you know, Sensei, excuse me, can you, can you film? I'm about to go up here. Can you, can you record my kata for me, please? And then we started talking. And then at the next tournament, we were like, hey, I never knew you. And we started talking again. And uh, I'm going to go off on a little sidetrack. But that's what I love about karate is obviously the, the technical, the, the, you know, you learn technique, you learn martial arts. But, you know, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now it's very unlikely that we would be having this conversation if I hadn't gone to a tournament and met this guy who was from Pennsylvania, 
who then I met his sensei and then you met his sensei because you grew up in that same place. And now here we are in Okinawa meeting in Okinawa the first time, you know, drinking Orion beer at the, the dojo bar all because of karate. Right. And so, you know, there's, there's friends that, that I've had for, for years. There's people that I've been in contact, my senpai from my Nagoya, from my Nagoya Gakuin karate bu, who I still message with. I'm friends with on Facebook. We talk, we went, you know, last time I was in Nagoya, we went and we met at my friend's work at 10 o'clock at night. We're pushing desks out of the way and we're, we're doing this training and then we're going to have sushi after dinner in the middle of the night, all because of karate. And so it's just amazing the relationships that you can build because of that. So I started competing again, just, you know, going out doing a couple kata. And when I was at this dojo, you know, so it's kind of how, how Apex started and what this is. And I'll explain what, where all this comes from and how all this formed. And then I'll talk about how it relates to my feelings about competition and how we, we interact with that. But one of the, one of the junior athletes, when he found out that I had been on the national team, he'd wanted to try for, you know, elite competition and trying to get on the junior national team or the senior national team. And so he asked me to start working with him, uh, you know, kind of coaching a little bit on the side. And so, you know, we, we worked it out and we would meet, you know, once a week, like on Sundays usually, and we would go over some competition kata and things like that. And I had no, it just kind of started. And so he started doing well in local tournaments and going up to New York. And then Jonathan and I started talking and uh, Jonathan calls me one day and he's like, you know, Hey sensei, I, um, I've got two young students, two, two girls who want to try for the junior national team, but you know, I'm a Kumite athlete. I'm not a, I'm not a Kata guy. Can, can you help? I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. Sure, I can, I can, I can come down, and we can see what, what we can do. And so we started. I started working with uh, a couple of Jonathan's athletes, and then I made friends with somebody else in New York who, at a tournament again, uh, the first time we met was at the New York International Open. I'd seen him at a couple of tournaments, but we started talking, and it was like, hey, you know, um, you know, what do you, you know, you're not the the typical athlete that we see out here. You, you know, you know, what, what, he's like, well, I just kind of want to compete and challenge myself. And I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe we should start working together. So over time, and he's a, a, a Goju-Ryu person also. So over time, this small group of us started to kind of get together of different styles. You know, we have somebody, and then, and then I, and I ended up recruiting another, getting another student who was Shorinkan Shorinyu, but who wanted to uh, compete. We have athletes now in from several different styles in several different states, and that's kind of how it started. I was talking with Jonathan. It was even the first night. I was like, you know, I can this work that I'm doing with some of our junior athletes. Maybe I can turn this into like an online thing or a, a coaching thing, to where, regardless of what style you do, if you want to do competition, you know, maybe here's some tips and some pointers, kind of like coaching, just you know, coaching for competition, regardless of what style or anything like that. And Jonathan and I, the first night, we ended up, after we kicked the girls loose, we ended up talking in the dojo for three hours, I think, just talking about different things and going through some different things. And, um, you know, not really even, you know, talking about Kobudo or anything like that, just kind of about competition. And that kind of started the nucleus of what ended up being Apex Karate Performance. And so Apex has two, two parts. 
there's the team, which as I said, we have people in Virginia, we have people in Maryland, we have people in New York, we have an athlete in France, and we have an athlete in Osaka, and me in China. Quite international. Right? Uh, now, the one, the one person that you described started to just ask you questions at the tournaments when he found out that you were uh, previously on the national team. But then the other students, or the other uh, teammates, did you go out and recruit them? Did they come to you? How, how did this happen? So it kind of, it was kind of a combination. So one of the junior athletes, you know, he was from the dojo that we were going at, I was going to at the time. And he's like, you know, just can you help me with my competition stuff a little bit? So we started working with him. And then uh, our, our athlete who's in France was uh, a research exchange in the U.S. And we kind of met. He was a studio kid in France, you know, had been uh, competing, you know, competed at French nationals, you know, always got beat out by the Shotokan in France. Shotokan is kind of, kind of, kind of strong there. And so he started coming to our Sunday mornings training and it kind of just developed from there. You know, I had, I had these two people that I was working with. Jonathan asked me to start working with these two girls. This other person from New York that I started working with was like, well, maybe, maybe, you know, I'm kind of doing this work over here. Maybe I can help you out a little bit too. And he would come down once in a while and we would, we would talk and we would do some training. And then I kind of got into well, this work that I'm doing over here by trial and error with this one kid, let's kind of systemize that and let's turn that into a way of taking somebody from wherever they're at and trying to maximize their performance. And that was kind of the impetus for Apex. And that's why I call it Apex because you're trying to, to maximize your performance, right? We're trying to reach that peak. But at the flip side, it's, it's, always, a, it's an, always an ongoing thing. There's no such thing in, in karate. There's no such thing as mastery, right? I, I actually don't like that term when they say master so-and-so or grandmaster so-and-so, because in, in the Japanese way of thinking, there is no mastery, right? There's no, you, you never master karate. You just progress and you keep learning. You're trying to keep progressing. And so that's kind of why, where I, I got the name from. But my philosophy with that is we are going to do good, what I call essentially good karate. We're going to do competition and we're going to take the things that I learned from Oshiro Sensei that I learned from other places in ways that we can move better, move faster, become more efficient, become more biomechanically correct, do good karate and win. Good. So good. No, good. No, foot, no, no foot stomping, no gi slapping, no extra body movement just because no exaggerated faces right? To, to, to play acting, you know, those are some of the things that we minimize, right? I take, I take the skills, the, the, the things that I learned from Kobudo or Oshiro Sensei's Karate or from other places that I picked up and I, and I look at somebody's Kata and say, can we, can we move more efficiently? Can we move faster? Can we make the judge go, I'm not sure exactly what just happened, but that was fast. And so that's my overriding philosophy of Apex is Apex Karate Performance is we're going to, we want to maximize your performance by doing good karate. And your, your teammates right now are, um, your students are, are competing at international tournaments, mostly in the U.S. tournaments. Where, where are they? Japan? Right now. Uh, I have one athlete in Japan who's kind of a taking a break for competition because of he's in a work training program. Um, but I have 
uh, one athlete that was trying out for the French national team. Uh, I have one athlete who's on the junior U.S. national team for under 21, Kata. And I have one athlete who's on the senior national team for Team Kata. Now, we don't know what's going to happen because the PKF got, the Pan American Championships got canceled. Uh, I heard, I just saw something today that uh, we may hear tomorrow that the World WKF World Championships that was supposed to be in Dubai in October is probably going to get pushed until next year. So, but uh, competing nationally, they've, uh, three of our athletes have competed at Series A tournaments. You know, Jonathan, Jonathan's been competing at Series A athletes. I'm sorry, excuse me, Series A events, WKF Series A events for the last three years, I think. Um, we haven't heard what's going to happen with USA Nationals right now, but it's looking like it's probably going to get postponed. Um, your focus for your athletes right now is just on kata or also because Jonathan's a kumite guy. Are you also right. doing kumite? I do not do kumite. <laughs> I leave that to Jonathan. The athlete, so John, uh, John, one of Jonathan's girls has kind of switched to uh, kumite, um, but the rest of us are predominantly uh, kata athletes. So this is very international. Like you said yes. a moment ago, you're in China. You've got an athlete in, in Japan in France, and then a couple in different parts of America. Jonathan's in Virginia. So this is, if you can't be there together, which right now many people can't be together because of the pandemic, but that didn't matter to you guys because you were remote anyway. So to right. describe how, how is the coaching conducted? So even before this, we would frequently um, get, I, I, we would just get on FaceTime and do remote coaching. I would, uh, I would talk to them. I would watch their kata. So if, if I was going to take a new athlete who we'd, who'd never, I'd never trained with or never worked together with in person, I think it would be very difficult because I use a lot of analogies and things. You know, I, I talk about bio, biomechanics, how to use the body, move your shoulder here, put your, use this muscle or this is how you want to do this. And so, or use your knees differently, release your knees and without being able to do it. So in person first, I think it would be very difficult, but all of my athletes we've trained together in person so that when I describe something, they know what I'm talking about. And for them, one of the keys is not just building up the awareness of themselves, though self-awareness is key to karate development, regardless of whether you're talking about competition or not. You have to understand how your body works and what your body is actually doing when you're doing a technique or when you're doing a kata. And you, can't, you won't be able to make that change until you're actually aware and cognizant of what your body is actually doing. And I'll give you an example. The other day, I was gonna. I was. I recorded some of my kata, and they felt okay when I was doing them. But then I sat and watched the videos afterwards, and I watched the last one first, and I saw myself doing something in there. I'm like, well, that's not right. And then I watched every single one, and I recorded it like six or seven times. And each, and I did the same mistake in each time. I'm like, okay, well, that's not acceptable, right? And I have to be. Why was I doing what I was doing? Why was I moving the way I was moving? And it wasn't, it's nothing major. I just didn't like the way I was moving my hands because I wasn't aware of what my hands were doing when I was moving my body. 
I was so focused on moving my body that I had neglected to focus on moving my hands the way I wanted to move my hands also. So I just, then I had to go back and break down the movement and rep that out and then put that back in my kata and be like, okay, I fixed, I, I, I'm aware of what I'm doing now and I need to fix that. So that's one of the things that I talk about with my athletes is the awareness of yourself and what you're physically doing so that you can make improvements. Because if they're just going through the kata and they're just doing the move without being aware of what they're doing, no matter what I say to them in person or over Zoom or, or FaceTime, they're not going to be able to, to, to make that adjustment. And so we spend a lot of time trying to get them to focus on, you know, how their shoulders moving, what their arm is doing, what their knees are doing, how to move their back muscles, how to move, you know, if they're doing a block and their armpits open, their elbow is out, wh wh how that impacts what they're doing and why it would no longer be a valid technique, you know, because some of it, whether you're there in person or over Zoom or, or online, you know, we do supadimpe and when they stick their hands out, I can tell whether they're just sticking their hands out to stick their hands out or whether they're focused on the movement of what they would be doing. You know, not necessarily visualizing the bunkai or visualizing an opponent, but an awareness of actually doing the technique versus just sticking their hands out. And you can, and, and I can see that through, it was like, okay, stop, do that again. You need to focus on what you're doing there because I can tell by watching your eyes and your eyes are moving while you're doing the kata and you're just going through the motions now rather than being aware of what you're actually doing. The athletes that you, that you uh, teach, are they already a member of another dojo at their hometown? So uh, most of them are, yes. Uh, they are, you know, Jonathan has his dojo, his good Okinawan Goju Shobukan. Uh, the athletes up in New York are part of a different Gojuju. Um, there are a couple that are in a Shodu school in Maryland. And then I have one athlete who trains on his own, my, my, my student who is a Shodinyu, who's, um, you know, he, He's, he's the one that I would say is like my direct student, right? He came, we met up and we're like, okay. And then he's, you know, we, we do Kobodo together. We do Sai, we work the bow um, and, and everything like that. So, uh, but then my, my athlete in France is kind of independent right now. He's kind of training on his own. And my athlete in Japan is in transition. He actually came to China and we trained together. We met again at a tournament, right? Uh, in Portland, Oregon, actually, I flew from the East Coast to a tournament in Portland, Oregon, the Yoshida Cup, and uh, he had flown from Japan with a group there. We kind of kept in contact, but then one day he's like, I, you know, like, I want to come to, I'm going to come to China and train with you. So he came and we trained for three days here uh, after I arrived. So yeah, we're kind of a, but that's the part about Apex that I really like is it's not Yuha or style specific. It's not dojo specific. And so, so that's where, you know, my YouTube channel and my online stuff that I'm going to be putting out more content is not style specific, you know, and that's where our team that kind of the, the team apex, the competitive team itself developed kind of wasn't the initial intent. Uh, it just kind of, that's how it kind of just developed over time. All these people kind of, we all kind of just gravitated together and became this team. Again, one of the great things about karate is that 
you know, that was never the intent. That's just kind of the result as it happened. But the best part of it is, is that it's not, well, we're part of whatever, whatever organization or whatever, whatever, you know, Bojuryu style or Shitoryu or whatever. It's like, okay, you can, you know, the only one, you know, I'm, I, I don't do very good Shotokan kata, so I may not be, <laughs> the things I say may not, may not mesh well with Shotokan, but you know, if somebody wanted to come and train with us, I'd be more than happy, right? We've had, I, I did a seminar in Maryland and we had a Shotokan person come and he was like, well, that's like, I never thought of it like that. I never thought of moving my body that way. On one hand, I, I sit and I watch competition videos and I see what people are doing and I see like, how can, how can I make our athletes better, right? I sit there and I watch what athletes are doing and, you know, but I have some, some def definitive rules, like what, I don't want my athletes to do. And, you know, as the Olympics were you know, postponed now, but this year was supposed to be the Olympics within the last year, I've seen athletes who I really respected just change kata, just arbitrarily make changes to kata. I'm like, well, what was that? And those, that's one thing that we absolutely will not do. It's like, we will, we will do kata and we will do it well. Um, and you know, some of, some of the athletes and what I, what I really appreciate are some of the athletes, for example, like one of the U S national team members, uh, Gakuji Tozaki, who's number one in the U S right now, he, he's been doing some, uh, of Oshiro sensei's kata in competition. Kyanosai, or I'm sorry, Kyano Chinto, he did that in the bronze medal match against Damon Quintero at the series a, or sorry, premier league in Salzburg in March. Uh, he was the first one to go out and do, you know, uh, the shooting you Chatanyara Kushanku in competition. Um, if not one of the first ones, but one of the first ones maybe to do it in premier league or WKF competition. And so you're starting to see some of those. And that's what, you know, one of my athletes, um, does, uh, for example, uh, Chatanyara and he does Matsumura Basai. He does mostly the shitoryu way, but with better movement say or different movement uh different footwork and things like that so we're trying to put that in and see if we can try and influence good karate into competition and see how successful we are so, so what, what was your overall take even though the olympics were postponed what was your overall take on karate being brought into the olympics were you happy about that concerned didn't care one way or the other so on one hand, I think it's amazing, right? That, that karate was finally able, that Japan was kind of able to, to get karate in the Olympics. I think that, you know, I, I, I did a video on this, right? you may have seen. Overall, I think it's a positive. However, it needs to be cautionary, right? I just referenced how within the past year, even some very skilled athletes have just arbitrarily changed kata. Uh, and... I think it can bring a great awareness of karate and bring, I think it can bring people into the dojo. The key though, and the necessity is that people on both sides of the competition slash non-competition aspect just need to be honest with people coming into the dojo. People may be coming looking for that competition aspect. And if that's, if, you know, if that's your bread and butter and there are dojos that are all about you know, WKF style competition. And that's phenomenal, right? I have a competition team that competes in WKF competition. It's great. I think competition itself brings a level of athleticism and dynamics to karate that is 
oftentimes lacking. I think it, it, it also just needs to be, everybody needs to be upfront with it. If somebody comes to your dojo and they want to learn self-defense or they want to just learn karate as a martial art because it's related to Japan or Okinawa and they want to learn the you know, cultural aspects of it and you're teaching WKF style kumite, that may not be the path that they're looking for. Or if they want that, but that's not your focus, send them somewhere else, send them to the place. And so that, that requires a level of communication back and forth between both the student and the dojo owner as to what the person is looking for in karate, what they're trying to achieve and whether your dojo is the right place for that. Everybody needs a fit and everybody needs to find the place. And there are places that do all of that, you know, and some places have a good balance. Hey, on Friday night, we're going to do competition kumite. Monday through Thursday, if that's not your tea, you know, that's not your cup of tea, well, Tuesday night we do kobodo and you know, Monday is, is kata night or whatever it is. And, and some places can do, find that, that balance very well. Uh, but I think overall, the level of athleticism and performance that competition brings to karate, I think is one of the key points or one of the points that's a definite bonus. You know, one thing that I think we might have talked about it, I know uh, like Jonathan and I have talked about it a lot, is you see people do karate and a 20-year-old person or a 25 or a 30-year-old person moves like they're 65. You know, you're, you're familiar with the uh, Okinawa Karate Masters series. Yeah, right? yeah, great series. Yep. Chris Wilson's uh, Masters. Chris Wilson's series, right? And the most recent one was Sakamoto Sensei, right? And... One thing that I was really struck by during his interview was how he talked about people want to protect karate. Like there are people on the island who are going to protect karate and they are going to keep it exactly like they were taught or the way they learned from their sensei or their sensei learned from his sensei. And Sakamoto sensei talked about, you know, the contrast between protecting and improving or advancing or progress of karate. And I think you can do both. You know, I look at, I look at people doing some, some styles or whatever, and I see the, the founder of the style or the chief of the organization moving, and then I see a person who's in their 20s or 25, and they're moving exactly like that person because they're imitating that person. That's not protecting that person. You know, I had a conversation, or I'm sorry, that's not protecting your, that karate. That's simply just putting it in a stasis, and it's not, any type of progression, you know, and I'll give you an example. One technique that I'm very critical of is my giddy. And it, maybe this is one of my pet peeves of techniques. And, you know, maybe it's from that initial Taekwondo experience or whatnot, but the my giddy is a phenomenal technique. It's one of the best techniques that we have in, in karate, but I will see people do a front kick and then they will drop their foot on the ground. Just like what somebody who is 75 would do when they kick or just like some of these videos of some of the people from you know, the, 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 the 40s or the 50s, and you see they're moving that way. Well, that's how so-and-so did it, so that's how I'm gonna do it. Okay, but what competition has shown us is, let's even, let's even compare competition with competition. If you go back and you look at Sakamoto Sensei, three-time world champion, Wakai Atsuko, four-time world champion, 
you know, Abe Ryoki, world champion, any of these, you know, Michael Malone from France, I think two or three times caught to the world champion. Would they win the world championships today? Probably not. Because we're over time, competition karate, competitive karate has become professionalized. It's become a professional sport. We've have better nutrition. We understand nutrition better. We understand recovery. We understand physical training on how to maximize our performance in competition by increasing our, bettering our athleticism. And so that's one of the benefits of karate in competition. But when we step outside, a lot of people who, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of people who are not in a competitive, oh, that's competition. We don't, we don't need to do it that way. I'm going to preserve, I'm going to do it just like my sensei said, and there's no, or the way he showed it, and there's no, there's no progression. There's no advancement. A 25 or a 30 or a 40-year-old person should not be doing a maigeti like a 75 or an 80-year-old person. You still have, you should still have, now, granted people get injured, they have knee injuries, they have foot injuries, and all those things are absolutely understandable. But maybe that's your, your sensei kicked that way because he had a knee injury or a hip injury. And that's why they're doing the technique that way. They don't want you to be kicking that way or doing the technique that way. Sure. Yeah. Actually, and along with the progression too, we've learned how to prevent those injuries, right? Yes. And that's what I call progression, right? That's how I like to, to talk about it. How I like to think about it is we need to be pushing our arts forward. Yep. Yep. And, but I think that the benefit of that for you, um, for the person that you train under now and in what your focus is, you know, being a, a national team athlete and then training athletes now, you have to constantly progress. Well, and that's kind of the, the great thing about, you know, I think we talked about this briefly is competition is in many ways a barrier breaker. It blurs that line between what we traditionally consider styles into how do I make myself faster? How do I make myself do this technique better? And that's kind of where I think what kind of riding that train, if you will, is where was the, the, the idea of apex, regardless of style, let's try to increase our performance. How can we be better? How can we be faster and things like that? So I was going to ask you a question about team apex. How does someone become a member? If you've got someone that's going to be watching this video right now, you've got these athletes that are just dying to get out there after this pandemic releases us all from our home jail. And they're going to say, Michael sensei, I am your next star athlete. What do they have? Well, well, uh, hit me up on Instagram or Facebook. You know, we've got Instagram page. We've got a Facebook page. I got a YouTube channel where I'm putting out content. I really liked your Thursday thoughts. Yeah. And there's more coming. Five minute, you know, conversations, uh, Sensei Michael's thoughts on a Thursday, you know, they cover yep. a variety of, of topics and I think, yeah, I think they're really good. You should keep going with that. And then the I am your definitely. videos on training at home is important as well especially in the time that we're in right now. But what, what I've seen you doing on your YouTube channel, with, especially with the training at home things are just about anybody can do them in a confined, maybe I shouldn't say confined, we're not in jail, in a smaller area here and with right. minimal weight training equipment or minimal equipment is needed. Well, and that's, and that's my goal with that, you know, especially because even the way of training, 
for competition has impacted the way I train myself. People will do kata and people will think that if I just do my kata over and over again, that my kata will get better. And you will get better at doing what you are doing. But that doesn't mean that your kata will get better. And so even with those videos is you don't need to do kata. Yes, you, at, at some point you need to put them all back together, but you can take it apart. And so my goal with those is to show an example of here, just break your kata, free your mind. You know, something I say, all my athletes have heard me, you know, you know, quote the, the, the great master Morpheus. Um, and, you know, break free of the way you've always done it and try something a little bit different and see how it improves, improves your performance or, or your ability to train in this environment here. You, can, you don't have to do the kata. You can just do the first two moves over and over again in this one area. Then you switch to the other side and do it in your hallway or your bathroom. Or, I mean, you could literally do kata in your bathroom, right? I mean, I, I mean maybe you shouldn't do kata in your bathroom. but <laughs> It's not Thursday, but it's Monday. Do you have any closing Monday thoughts for uh, the Okinawa Karate Podcast viewers and listeners? Coming Absolutely. Apex credit performance. So we're all in tough times right now, but you got to keep training hard. Go out there, do your thing, get after it, and we'll see you out there. Absolutely. I echo those words. Keep training, keep training, keep training. Support your sensei, support your sensei, support your sensei as much as you possibly can. Uh, looks like the world's starting to open back up. Uh, please support your sensei in your dojo. As always, thank you for tuning in to the Okinawa Karate Podcast. I am Josh Simmers, coming to you from the birthplace of karate, Okinawa, Japan.